is really come into this space um, to create more awareness and compassion and kindness for um, one of the most important inversions in our practice. Our asanas are pretty um, interesting. And when you all went through and kind of said what you like or don't like about headstand practice, um, it's interesting to hear, like, it's not in my repertoire. I don't do it often. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Um, it's kid-like, which I loved that. It is. It's totally liberating. It's kid-like. It creates space. And it, it allows us to, as teachers, really open up something that might have been shut down in a human being's life. So we have the opportunity, and a really amazing opportunity, to flip the switch in someone's mindset that anything is possible and that there is space to, for growth and that there is an opportunity to really um, liberate yourself from some of the chains that we put ourselves under as we get older and older as adults, right? And um, there is a way as teachers to do it safely so students can do them so they're not rushed or panicked because that's a huge thing, hearing that you all are saying that, that, that in a class, that there's not space to do that, that really freaks me out. Because our ultimate goal as a teacher is to create space. Not just in like <clears throat> teaching a class, but space through breath and space in people's thoughts, right? So there's like a larger purpose to what we're doing here. Um, and there's a process, there's definitely a process. So tonight we're going to learn modifications on up. I kind of wanted to just share with you like why it's so important to do the asana, shirsasana. So let's all just say shirsasana together because it sounds like um, sriracha sauce, <laughs> right? which I really like. Has anybody ever been to sriracha in Thailand? No. no. There's an actual place in Thailand called sriracha. Does anybody like sriracha sauce? Eat it oh, see? So if you like sriracha sauce, you should love headstands and do them all the time. <laughs> okay, uh, so shirsasana. Shirsasana. On your sheet, you could see that it says salamba shirsasana, which is more of the like grandiose name for it. But shirsa is head, right? Mukha is part of what pose? What pose do we say mukha? Down dog, right? And it's muka means face. right face. So now you know face and head in Sanskrit. Head is sirsa, and we know that asana is to stand on the platform of the breath, a seat, a posture. But if we don't do this, creating space for breath, well, you might as well just call it a day and just not do it at all. And that's why people get a really freaked out about it. Um, this is considered by some to be the most important inversion and is often referred to as the king of the asanas. Those of you who know me, I like to tie things together so that you as teachers really understand how to um, kind of sequence things. If headstand is the king of the practice, what's the queen of the practice? Shoulder stand, right? So shoulder stand comes before the headstand. So you're doing almost like a co pose, counter pose, in a sense that you're doing this huge compression for your endocrine system, and then you're doing this really nice elongating thing where you're flipping perspectives in your body. This full inversion of your headstand returns your blood to the heart and the brain. So it definitely is like every inversion that I've taught you about. This isn't on your feet. It gets your head out of your ass. 
right? So if you all touch the top of your head, and we're going to find the top of our head in a second, but when we find the top of our head, it's that little crown space when you were like a baby where things haven't maybe uh, uh, totally like come together. It's why we do things like cranial sacral massage. How many people have had, had a cranial sacral massage? Right, Amanda, it's pretty cool. It like really helps to reset your body and your mind. Um, but sometimes when you find that little acupuncture point or acupressure point or a meridian line at the top of your head, it literally helps with hemorrhoids. So when I make a joke as saying, get your head out of your ass, it truly is true. Because every time you get acupuncture, usually that's one of the meridian points that you do get pressure into, that the, the, the acupuncturist presses into. So when we put the top of our head to the ground, as, uh, as inversion junkies, what you end up doing is you are literally creating space. So you're refreshing your body and your mind and all of the energetic points in your system. It's pretty cool. So the best way to find your top of your head so that you can reset your brain and refresh your cardiovascular and lymphatic system and provide energizing effects to your whole body is to take and bring your thumbs into your ears and wiggle your fingers. This is good during Christmas time because then you look like a reindeer. But, or if you drink caribou coffee, I don't drink coffee, so ready? I make very weak coffee at home. Take your middle finger and touch the top of your head. Ah, touch top of your head. So that the middle finger should go like girls who wear headbands kind of know where it is. So it's going to be further forward. Yeah, and your middle finger is touched and then you kind of press that spot. That's kind of like that spot when you were a baby, that little soft spot. You feel it? Okay, that's one way to do it. But dudes, because they don't wear headbands that often, and now more men are coming into yoga classes and feeling comfortable finding this amazing um, hero physique through the practice, um, and they're getting their work in at the same time, take the wrist to the schnoz, the brow, and then wiggle your middle finger and find the spot where your middle finger touches. Is it the same spot? Ta-da! We are made like the Vitruvian person. So that, just like da Vinci drew, our bodies are made to like fit perfectly for specific spots. So that is the two different ways that you would find the head so that you can provide energy to your whole body. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but people who engage in spiritual yoga practices, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about the energy that it affects, they use this asana to redirect sexual energies into a higher spiritual energy. <laughs> so esoteric way of meaning like brahmacharya, which is very a nice way of saying you can't have sex anymore. Old school. Now, these days, just don't sleep with your neighbor, right? So, but this is a great way, like, you know how some athletes, they don't, have sex because they think that it's going to take away from their energy for the game. So like for the whole season, they get like, they're like training and they like can't, you know, lose their mojo. Well, this helps you to get into that space of a higher spiritual energy. <coughs> and it also helps to increase wellness and promote a positive aura. So if you stand on your head for a long time, you'll start having that like radiant glow and a positive aura because you're repurposing your chakras. 
This higher energy is called ohas. Have you ever heard that? O-J-A-S. And ohas is thought to assist in heightening other spiritual yogic practices. So this is a tantric practice, right? Hatha yoga comes under the raja yoga, and the raja yoga comes under the tantric yoga practice. So all we're doing is working energetic levels in our body so that we can literally, what this is saying here, come into higher states of consciousness, right? Get into our prefrontal cortex, be better people, be proactive during um, uh, challenging situations versus reactive. So that what we're doing is this higher energy or ohas is pretty cool. But it comes very quickly when you do a headstand. Inversions help in opening up the third eye chakra, the anja chakra, right? So it helps to open up the sixth sense or higher states of being, right? I might be going a little bit too woo-woo for some of you, but this kind of stuff happens where you like, you know, know that someone's going to call you before they call you, or you have some task you need to accomplish, and it just effortlessly happens because you're just in that right frame of mind. You're in the zone, right? That's what can happen when you allow this reverse position of the body and head to allow the energy, right, to flow to the third eye. So it offers you renewed energy, but it also allows you this spiritual space where you can increase memory and concentration and you have mental clarity. Sounds pretty good. Yeah? There's no fun story about how Shirsasana came to be, but next week, if you're here in the tech, I'll tell you the story of why we're doing Half Lord of the Fishes. Um, Dharma Mitra is this amazing human being, and you can Google him. He is um, the person who took those pictures of the 908 yoga poses, and before computers came around and stuff like that, he would take pictures with a camera, and the thing that takes the picture was in his mouth, like with a long cord, and then he printed all the pictures and cut out, you know, black and white, and then photocopied it and made like 908 pictures on a, on a thing. You can buy them. They're like we used to have like little like you know like the hippie things you put on the walls. What it's called? I can't remember what they're called. Like a tapestry. A tapestry. There, you used to make tapestries of it. Thank you. Yeah, my old timers is really kicking in today. I've been like not remembering things. But Dharma Mitra. Um, him and his son are still doing amazing work. There are um, spaces in New York, and he does headstands. You'll see headstands of him with his head in the center of a... Uh, um, uh, it's in the middle of the street, and it's metal and yeah. manhole, and he'll have his hand by his side and his head in the manhole. Yeah, yeah, you got to check him out. And he, like, wears this funny little loincloth thing. And so... But... Um, <laughs> The benefits of the headstand is pretty awesome, and we're going to talk about it as we go through the kind of like physical benefits, but let's talk a little bit about the picture that I showed you of, um, from Leslie Kamenoff's book, Yoga <coughs> Anatomy. So when you're doing a headstand, it shows you here Pinchy Mayurasana and a headstand, but there's definitely two different positions that you can go for in the headstand. The Ashtangis like to kind of do the tripod where you're on your forearms, which is really easy because then when you do Pinchi Mayurasana, it kind of gives you the comfortability of being on your forearms. Does that make sense? But then when you go into uh, 
more advanced positions, the final page that I gave you was the Ashtanga, seven positions of the heads, handstand, headstand. Sorry. Look at Shelly's eyes. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating, right? Like, who would want to do that? But in, after you do primary series and you start to move into intermediary series of the Ashtanga sequence, these are the seven headstands you do every day, unless you're on your woman's holiday or unless there's a um, full moon or new moon. You know, quarterly we don't practice, but that's pretty cool. Why not on a quarterly? Because the energy is so strong that you might turn into a werewolf. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it was a couple of days ago. Okay. You didn't hear me howl. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. That was true. All right. So because the energy is so strong from a full moon that it's not advisable to. Ah, but we practice ha and ta yoga, right? And we do sun salutations, surya namaskara. So just think of the sun god Ra that we are devoting our energies to when we do a sun salutation. So if this is a ha and ta and all about the balances of energy, then we want to really pay tribute to the lunar cycles. I know. Dun, dun, dun. We go deeper. Uh, so we've got the Ashtanga, seven headstands, we've got Dharma Mitra, and then we have, in social media, there's a lot of stuff going on where there's like headstand competitions. Or there's a person who's traveling around the world to raise money for different foundations, whether it's cancer or different kinds of things. People are raising money doing headstand competitions and doing headstands in interesting places to get followers, and then you're following and donating to a specific cause. So headstands have many different variety of meanings. The props we're going to use tonight, which you already have, are a block, a strap. I only set a blanket because some people get a little bit freaked out about their head being too um, sensitive. But we all look like we have hard heads tonight. Yes? Cool. I fell out of a truck when I was, like, really small. They, my, my mom took me to the doctor, and they thought she had beat me up because I had two black eyes. And she put me in a purple dress with a little, t like, pippy long stocking things. She had purple bows and a purple dress. And she took me to the doctor, and they were not very happy with her. <laughs> but yes, so you can't get concussed from doing a headstand, but you, uh, you have to be very careful. So sometimes people need blankets. Um, my um, question, first one, which someone already referenced to when they were checking in, do you do headstand from ego or do you do it from a balanced state of mind? And this is something really interesting because when you're trying to open up your student's perspective to be more kid-like, you have to really think about how most people, when they go into headstands, they're forcing it, right? So how do you, as a teacher, create space so that they don't jack themselves up and really hurt themselves? Because everyone in this room tonight is going to do a headstand. It's really not that hard because your weight on your head is like what they say in the ancient texts or when you have like a you know, old school teacher. The weight of your head is only the size of a rupee on the ground. It's very light. You should be able to lift your head up. So a rupee is like, you know, not really worth that much. But it's just a little coin. 
So think of like a penny, right? We're trying to eliminate pennies. That's how much weight should be there. So it really is all about concentrating and focusing the energies on the breath and finding your center so that you do it from a balanced state of mind and not from your ego, right? And I don't know about all of you, if we ebb and flow like our breath, we can flip into ego mode in two seconds. You know, we see someone in class who like, you know, is doing it and you're like in the same yoga study tech and you're like, fuck, they're doing it. Well, I should be able to do that too. And then you push it and then you hurt yourself and then you can't do it for several months, right? So it doesn't mean that you're a bad yogi if you don't go up all the way. It actually means that you're a more, sounded weird, but it actually means you're a more confident yogi if you go slow. It's like the tortoise and the hare. I'd rather have you be a slow, late bloomer and be really proficient at something than to be like running to the finish line but doing it because you're pushing so hard through your neck and shoulders that you like start to hurt some muscles and pinch a nerve. And the last thing you want to do is pinch a nerve because you can pinch a nerve in your neck and you won't be able to feel your toes. Right? You can pinch a nerve in your neck and like you can't get it out for months. And it's not pinching anything or making anything go numb, but it just does not feel good. And through this repetitive movement, and we're going to talk about issues or challenges to watch out for, but we have to think about that L4, L5, I mean uh, uh, C6, C7. So everybody touch the boniest thing in your neck. That's your C7, that kind of little protrusion. Some of people have a little bit more larger protrusion. Some people have smaller ones. But a lot of people can, that C5, C6 region, right above that, is very fragile, right? You don't know, I mean, you don't know what everybody's skeleton is. You don't know how their bones are. So like if you say just put some weight on your head and do a headstand, well, they're just going to go push, right? But it might slowly start breaking down and affect the intervertebral discs. And so we don't want to do this. So that's why this is considered... Um, a uh, intermediate to advanced pose. So what yoga styles use a headstand? Ashtanga, right? No, I said that already. Vinyasa. Vinyasa. Iyengar. Hatha yoga, yeah. Um, would you do this in a yin class? Would you do this in a restorative class? Would you do this in yoga nidra? No. Would you do this in kids yoga? Oh, why? Yeah, it's super fun, but the, we don't know about the kids and the fragility of them, so we try to stay away from that until they're tweens. After they've gone through their like puby stuff. But that's a good... Good thought, because you do want to keep that playful vibe. You can play and do it like a tumbling kind of thing, like a handstand tumble, but you don't want to put pressure on the head because the neck is too fragile. No. Same thing as you don't want to do a lot of intense breathwork practices with kids. You can sniff like a bunny and make it fun or howl like a wolf, but then you have to be really careful because some of them really do affect the energies. Okay, so what is a prep pose or a setup pose for beginners? What do you think would be something that would be a prep pose? That's number three. I gave you a Oh, yeah, I gave you some lists. Why do you think down dog? 
Yeah, so any inversion, right? Any pose where your head's below your heart. So that means what's Uttanasana? Forward fold. Good. So a simple forward fold, right? Um, how about a hero pose? Why do you think it would be hero pose? Virasana. No one's sitting in hero pose. Hero, hero pose is where your knees are forward. Right? So we're strengthening our quads. We're opening our front body. So any heart openers to create space in the shoulders so we don't dump in the shoulders. Right? Dolphin for sure. Yeah, dolphin, dolphin plank, plank pose. And why do you think that is? Strengthen your center. Yes, the arm positioning. We're going to do something with a strap today because you have to broaden and push out. Okay, so today is going to be really, really, really fun, or tonight. Uh, who can do a headstand? Oh, that was a question. Like, what kind of student can do a headstand? <laughs> Anybody could, right? So even a paraplegic can, because we're going to do a little Iyengar trick in a second. Um, and then are there variations of the pose? Yes. We're going to talk about different variations of the pose because if any time your head is below your heart and someone can't do a full-on headstand, well, that's fine. Then you just do a forward fold, right? Because we have the things that lead up to it is an inversion Anytime your head is below your heart. When you're doing this, you're flipping your energy and you're rejuvenating and you're creating a new perspective on life. And I loved how a lot of you said it's um, not in your repertoire, but it made you feel kid-like when you do them, right? That it makes you feel like playing in the grass and it's really fun. It's extremely fun and energizing, so all of you will be very productive this evening, whatever you decide to do. Um, the crown of the head rests lightly on the floor, and it exhibits strength, control, and the beauty of overcoming the fear of falling through physical and mental balance which is pretty awesome. One thing that I want to say, and I say this often when we're doing um, inversions, your hands are on the ground. You've already fallen over. Uh, seriously. So half the time, it's adults, and they're saying, well, I'm scared of falling over. But you've already fallen over. You're already on the ground, right? Tonight, we're going to do a three-legged dog to prepare to talk about the strength in our legs. But if you're I'm in three-legged dog, right, I'm already three-quarters of the way to a handstand, right? So imagine if I had my head on the ground and I'm preparing and I lift my leg up. Well, shit, I'm already there, right? I'm already in that position. It's really how do you redistribute the weight? And as yogis, as we keep going into this, tadasana, right? Tada. Your hands are your feet. Your feet are your hands. Oh, okay. So if I flip myself over, I'm still on my, hand, on my feet. My hands are in the air. They might be a little bit stinky because they were in socks, but it's still the same because all you've done is flipped, and you're working from the center of your body. So you want to think of root to rise, Taking a stand, being centered, and alignment. The ability to hold yourself upright in a way that allows our physical and emotional self to be the best. 
Um, you want to shift smoothly into the inner state of equilibrium and peace. So that's all about that shtira sukha asanam where we're finding our power and our stillness. And I think what happens, because most human beings are control freaks and you can't move your head and you're totally type A and you want to be the best, that once your head is down on the ground and you can't see around you because you can't look, right? You don't know what's happening. You don't have control. So I have as one of your questions is kind of like um, what habits allow you to take a break from the norm? What do you do to break out of your old habits when you feel stuck? But what happens when you lose control would be one of my questions. Is the world going to end? This good shit might happen, right? So maybe that's the question is what happens when you lose control? So that the first one for your journaling would be that, but then the second one would be what happens when you lose control. So how's everybody doing so far? Following? Making sense? Um, Handstand's almost easier because yeah. there's no pressure on your head and your neck. Uh, and I think people are really, really worried about their head and neck because we've conditioned in our culture to be really worried about our head and our neck. So, like, if you want to work on, you know, getting up to one of these inversions, what's the best one to pack your, your first one you want to stand, start for? Is it a handstand or is it a shoulder stand? I would highly recommend you start with a headstand. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is all coming from your bandhas, right? So actually, what I would highly recommend is a breathing practice. That would be your first homework, right? What breathing practice do you think would really help you to get into this region? Oh, was my PPD this morning? Breath of fire. Mm-hmm, right? Breath of fire. I got to figure out how to really find my breath control here so that when I flip and I, my diaphragm is going to shift when I'm upside down, right? But my breath work, if it's strong and solid and confident, it's not in my shoulders when I'm really used to my shoulders. It's transitioned to my center. So breath of fire is a really, really good way to find that space. The other thing that's a great way to find your inversion, we're, we're going to be doing this, so it's a good, great question. I just wanted to go through the benefits and the contraindications just before we started. Um, the other thing that's really um, great to do that we're going to work on to get into the second bandas is what I like to call shoulder press push-ups. It's a headstand push-up. Yields. It's so much fun, and it's humiliating, because you might not be able to do it. And then you're going to think you're a yoga loser, and you're going to go to yoga hell, and I don't know what's going to happen. And everything that we're doing, remember, is a practice, and it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, and that's the most important thing that you really have to remember, especially like we know from healing injuries, right? It could take forever. I have torn my rhomboid. It is not, it took a five years to heal and I'm still a baby. I showed something in class today and I'm still scared. 
But how can you not let your monkey mind control you? How can you teach your students not to let their monkey mind control them so that you allow the breath to be your guide? And when your breath, your best friend, is your guide, you will be able to do incredible amount of things. What's the first thing that happens when you do a back bend or the first thing that happens when you put your head below your heart? And people are losing control. Stop breathing. Yeah. We stop breathing. And what triggers then? All of a sudden that flight or flight, your animal brain, your amygdala goes into high gear. And then what happens to that little nerve that moves through your body that's called the Vagus nerve, the wandering nerve, what does it do? Yeah, it just freaks out, right? And then it makes your tummy freak out. And then when your tummy starts to freak out, it makes your mind freak out because when you were born, your heart and your tummy and your brain all like were like this and you opened up, but they're like from the same cell structure, right? So they call the stomach your like second brain or first brain a lot of times. So your stomach, like, trust your gut. So then someone's freaking out. They can't either see or their head's down to the ground. All hell breaks loose, and they fall out, and they hurt themselves because they've stopped breathing because they've allowed the amygdala to take control so that they were in the basement apartment instead of going up to the penthouse and being like, fucking bitches, yeah, pura vida. Oh, yeah, that is great. That's what we want. Okay? It is not that hard. What's hard is that our mind likes to hijack our practice, just like it likes to hijack our life, right? And how can we, as teachers, have the same effortless effort be communicated so that we can create space to breathe and be? And that's our ultimate goal. So that when you look at like different things like anchoring your gaze, such a simple thing. Anything that you would cue that you would do in Tadasana is happening right here. You're teaching for modifications on up. You're working with the distribution of weight. You're allowing people to tap into their breath. And you're focusing your drishti. If they feel grounded and they're looking at a specific spot, that's all you need to do. Cool? The physical benefits, you're flipping perspectives, you're stimulating the sympathetic nervous system, you're preparing the body for action, it helps with bad postures, inversions are a great way to meet life. Um, Shusashana pulls the stagnant blood into the lower limbs back into the heart for purification. So there's little valves in your body. Have you ever heard of like ganglion cysts? where like things, energy gets trapped through and they can't pass through the veins and the nerves and all that stuff. Well, if you flip, then all of a sudden the valves open up a different way. It flushes through, it cleans it out. Um, that's why we talk about legs up the wall being a great thing for like um, varicose veins. Okay. Uh, it improves the flow of blood to the head region with many related benefits. Uh, pituitary gland, the master gland that influences the functioning of the rest of your endocrine glands can improve the function, functioning, yeah, look, I said functioning is functioning, and I was going to say reproductive glands, so it all makes sense. <laughs> oh my God, I need to go to bed. Okay. It can relieve headaches, right? Extra flow of blood to the head is good for the eyes and other organs, which is interesting because a contraindication is if someone has detached retinas or like glaucoma or some kind of pressure with the eyes, you have to be careful. But then they're saying that it's good for your eyes. 
So what if like someone like Dharma Mitra or your husband's grandfather who had been doing this for forever, they never had any eye problems. Probably they could see really well, like at night, like a bat. <laughs> right? It takes the gravitational pressure from the organs of the abdomen and can help to relieve piles and hydrosol. I don't even know what that is. I don't want to know what that is. Um, your visceral muscles, which don't usually get stretched, get exercised. It helps with asthma. It helps general vitality. And with this ohas, you are brighter, right? All this amazing stuff starts to happen. And then you're keeping the tadasana, you're calming the brain, you're relieving stress and mild depression because all of this um, benefits of aversion with getting rid of the headaches, the insomnia, the fatigue, the mild depression, that's huge. So by putting more pressure on the top of your head, you're getting your head out of your ass, so you're less depressed, you're less anxious because you're getting energy. Same thing that a twist would do to give you energy. If someone's depressed, we highly recommend any inverted pose. The energetic benefits are pretty cool. Um, they stimulate all the chakras, and uh, it helps to break through insecurity and fear. So it's a natural painkiller. Humility, perseverance, it's a confidence booster. Once you figure out how to do an inversion, all of a sudden everybody's like, I'm badass and I'm a really good yogi. Okay? Things to watch for, carpal tunnel, neck, back injury stuff, high blood pressure, inner ear infections, a heart condition. If you're on your lady's holiday, people say maybe not because of um, endometriosis. And the other thing I will say is, as you all were saying, like sometimes the teachers go too fast, the most powerful thing as your teacher is your words. If you don't experience this pose and don't practice this pose, don't teach it. Which means that a lot of people cut it out of their repertoire, right? And in turn, when they cut it out of their repertoire, they don't teach it. And when they don't teach it, the students don't learn it. And when the students don't learn it, they're not finding the amazing healing benefits of the king of the practice. Right? Anybody play chess? Mm -hmm. If you don't have the king and queen, what's going to happen? The game's never going to end. No one's going to ever win. You're not going to succeed, right? So all the other poses that we do are um, helping you to sit on the platform of the breath, but we really want our central nervous system to work properly, our autonomic nervous system to work properly, and that's what we need to do when we're doing these practices is we're opening up to greatness. They say, like, the crown of your head, right? And your practice opens up 10,000-fold, like that lotus flower, right? The only way to open up 10,000-fold is to get all those lines of communication in your body to flow freely. And when they flow freely, that's when the magic happens. That's when the alchemy of the practice is. In order to do that, we have to know that Headstand, shoulder stand, they can't be um, omitted from the practice because it looks scary and you think the students aren't going to be able to do it. You're not giving your students enough credit because you as teachers have the words, the verbal cues, the timing and pacing, and the motivational support to guide your, your students to anywhere. Ready to practice? 
That is just so interesting, though, because I, I mean, I would say that we get a lot of opportunity in practice in classes to do shoulder stands, not head stands. So if you're really going to practice head stand, you have to have some practice. Uh, what's that? Um, what's that uh, guy who's the same girly man? You're a girly man. Yeah, right. SNL. Yeah. Okay, but like. Women find shoulder stand a little bit more accessible, even if they have large boobs and they're going into it. They find it to be like safer and easier. I don't know why. Um, I don't really have an answer. But headstands are a little bit more physically challenging. I'm just thinking still getting the, the times that I've been in a class where they hmm. guided us in headstand, and it's rare. Yeah. I mean, is, that, is that other people's experience? Yeah. 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 It's just rare. And part of that might be it's just more of an intermediate pose, and you don't see as many of those in most classes. Most teachers don't want to take you to that level. Mm -hmm. no. They're afraid their students aren't ready for it. Yeah. So what we're going to do is safely learn how to find this space. So the first thing that I'm going to do is have you pair up. Two, 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 two. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you're, you, those two are going to be, you're Amanda B. Partners with my new friend from 82. No, you and Shelly and Jill are going to be partners. And you two are going to be partners. And you two are going to be partners. And you two are going to be partners. And you're going to be my partner. Cool. Awesome. So my partner is going to come and sit in front of you. So one person say, oh, yes, I'm going to go first. Oh, yeah, say hi to your partner. Hi, partner. You're so awesome. It's so nice to meet you. Okay. Um, shake your hand like you want to win a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> Shake their hand like you just saw something you didn't like and you're like, ew, do I have to talk to this person? Okay. Now shake their hand like you want the middle path in between the two. Okay? Not too tight, not too loose, but like Goldilocks is porridge, porridge right? Just right? My, my friend is going to sit in front of me, facing out. I'm going to stand behind them with my feet slightly open so that I'm close to their behinds. Okay? Yep. Good sauce, applesauce. Very good. Okay, so the receiver is on the ground. Your student is on the ground. And now the teacher is standing in, in front of them. And the student is going to take their hands and bring them behind their head, interlacing the fingers. And the elbows are going to go forward. Oh my gosh, you're in a headstand. You just happen to be on your butt. Okay? So all we're going to do as teachers is we are going to push down on them and they're going to push back up. So say, student, are you ready? Student, are you ready? Oh my god, that was awesome. <laughs> it was like Harry Potter when you grabbed the broomstick. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're going to press down on your friend. They're going to press back up, and they're finding their center. They're finding their breath. Don't be nice to your friend. You have to really push down and then release. Students, what did you feel? What engaged in your body? Core. Yeah, your bandhas and your center and your abdominal walls and your internal strength, the muscles that support your back, your quadratus lumborum. Uh, yeah, 
totally found more Tadasana. Right? No pressure on your head, right? Or as they say in Canada, eh? <laughs> no? Okay, let's switch. We're going to do the same thing. So all the people on the ground, you already know what you're going to do. Interlace your hands behind your head. Your elbows are forward. You're just, and your friend is going to stand behind you and say, Are you ready? ready? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So go for it. Good. Good. Feel, feel that? So you should feel your student actually working and their shoulders broadening. Did you all feel that? Okay. So... What muscles did you feel, thank you, around your shoulders? We're just going to stand here if we like each other. I might have to do that. Don't they triceps? I triceps. Yeah. Triceps? Yeah. They really fired up. Okay, your triceps fired up. The muscles that support your shoulders, your anterior serratus, your lats, your muscles that support the back. I mean, there's so much stuff. Your erector spinae. I mean, it's pretty cool, right? had nothing to do with you like pushing into the top of your head. That's what you want to feel, is that connection, that containment, right? Because you're this beautiful vessel full of breath. And all you're trying to do is work from the breath so that your vessel stays healthy and long and lean. And, and ta-da, tadasana. OK, so as you have just found alignment, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so my partner is going to raise her arms up high. We're going to do this with a strap too, but I want you to feel it with just your friend. So she's going to raise her arm up high. We're going to stand behind. The palms are going to face, face um, together, and the thumbs are going to spiral back. So basically, you're in Urdhva Hastasana. You're reaching up really high. Uh, it's a, um, but the other thing is, is that basically you're in down dog, right? Because your arms are up. You're in crescent lunge. But all you're doing is standing here in Tadasana with your arms up high. So your friends are going to take their arms to your bicep, tricep. They're going to place their hands on your arms. You guys are going to push out, and we're going to push in. Your thumbs spiral out. Your pinkies spiral in. Good. And you're finding where are you working from? The people who are the student. And then we'll release. Yeah. From broad, <laughs> so your shoulders broadened, your back elongated, your pelvis found balance, right? You found a neutral pelvis. Everything was drawing to the midline. Wow, it's like an epiphany. That's the same thing that you're doing when you're down there. You're broadening your shoulders. You're working with your breath. So let's switch and have our friends do. Yep, put it underneath the elbows. Yep. Bicep. Yep, and I'm going to push out. You push in. Didn't know I was so strong. <laughs> you shouldn't be gripping your toes, so you're just breathing. Belly, 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 straighten your elbows. And then we'll release. So when you're in high plank, you're doing the same thing. When you're in down dog, you're doing the same thing. If I was pushing the way that people want to, if I stood up, this is what I would look like. That's what people want to do. How do you cue to people? How do you demonstrate to people to have an open, broad chest so that you can really breathe? And those are two great ways to teach it. Okay. Now, the next thing that we're going to do is we are going to take our yoga strap. 
the D-rings, uh, some are plastic and some are not. If you don't have a strap, don't worry, you can share. What we're going to do is we are going to practice finding our Uddiyana Bandha. So our Mula Bandha is at the root chakra. It's at the base. It's where the pubic region, where at the base of it, where you have the two points in the front and back and the two points on the side. Imagine there was a piece of coal down there. You're trying to squeeze in and make a diamond. Okay? But what you're trying to do as you're creating this is you're really working on energizing the spine. So it's called mula because the neurological pathways that go down your beautiful pillar of your spine, <coughs> they look almost like a root of a tree if you looked at your central nervous system. It's very cool. So that's where mula bandha, the root lock, gets its name. That we get from our breathing, and that we get from creating space. What we're going to do now is our little headstand push-up like I like to have people do. This strap now is going to become the same way that you had with your friend pushing to your arms. You're going to make it shoulder-width apart. A little bit wider, maybe. Yeah, yours doesn't say we can share. Some of them are a little bit old. So you bend your elbows, it's right at the crease of the elbows. Yes. Okay. Then what you're going to do is you already know how to find the top of the head because we've already discussed it. You take and either do your little hand thing here or the hand thing here. Find the top of your head where you'd wear a headband. You're going to take your block. This is skyscraper. This is, you can, if it doesn't stay, we'll just share them, okay? This is skyscraper, this is colonial, okay? You're taking the colonial house and you're squeezing it in between your legs, okay? Now, all I'm gonna do is I'm going to sit in hero's pose. I'm going to take the, we're gonna do this in partners so that your partner will help you. You're gonna take the thumbs to where the knees are and you're gonna take the top of your head to the ground. So this is another form of shirsasana called a tripod headstand. I like people to learn how to do it this way first because it's easier for you to really feel where you're working from. The top of your head comes to the ground. Your arms are just pushing out. So my strap needs to be a little wet. Okay, and I lift my legs halfway up. Oh, and I lift my legs halfway down. And they go halfway up. And they go halfway down. Okay? So your thumbs go near, near your knee. I know, I should have a TV show, right? Um, your thumbs should go near your knees, and it's just making a tripod with your head. What is going to happen is it's not going to look that pretty. Because all of a sudden, those of you who are used to, how many of you are used to going into a head handstand and going click, click? Right? Yeah. So uh, when you do that, you're out of position. You're out of alignment with your hips. I'm actually asking you to come up from that containment, that drawing to the midline, that internal strength. Okay? So what we're going to do is, will you be my partner for a second? My partner's going to set herself up so that her thumbs are near her knees and her head goes down to the ground so you make a tripod. Okay? 
Okay? And then I'm just going to stand here with my hands so that my fingers are going in one direction, my thumbs going in the other direction. I'm just going to roll our toes under and find down dog legs. And then she might say, oh shit, that's a lot of pressure on my head. Are you okay? Yeah. And she could go down and say, that's enough, that's all I want to do. Now go back into that spot. Set yourself up. Your hands and your head make a tripod. Your legs are straight like down dog. You're squeezing the block in between your legs. I put my hands at her hip creases, and I'm just like her wall. I'm like, okay, babe, I got you. Oh, look at she wants to live one leg at a time. Squeeze that fucking block as hard as you can. Squeeze, 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 squeeze. Activate your feet like you're standing on the ground. Squeeze, 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 and then come on back down. It's really hard. It's really hard because everybody wants to go. Can't even do it. Everybody wants to go. Dee, 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 dee. Woo, dee, 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 dee. Yep. But. You want to lift both feet up at the same time. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So Laura asked a good question. We want to put both legs up at the same time. So everybody take one of your legs out. Down, just like you're in Dandasana. Okay. Bend the right knee. Reach your right foot up off the ground. Point your foot and straighten the leg out. Okay. That's called a point. Now flex your foot. That's called dorsiflex, right? Now point your foot and just flex from the ball mounts of your feet. Woo, it's called pointing. But you see how active my leg is? It's like Barbie feet. Oh, cute. Poor Barbie's foot stuck like this for eternity. Okay? But our legs are nice and strong and straight. And if the knee bends, what happens is I lose the connection. Right? Just like if my elbow bends when I'm reaching up, don't I look like high and vital, right? I'm reaching for the sky. But what's happening with this hand? Bleh. Right? I don't look like I'm going to be doing anything successfully. I want to find optimal alignment, which means that as I come up, if I'm going to come up, say, like into a handstand, I'm going to come up with my legs strong and active. I'm talking to you, so it's not going to work. But I'm breathing up. Does that make sense? Then once I find my spot and feel comfortable, I just lift and practice lifting and opening. It's a more advanced way to teach it, but you have to come up with your legs together to have optimal alignment. If you come up and go click, click, it's like you're working from ease so that people like us who are extremely flexible, over time you start ruining your discs and your intervertebral discs are very precious and your spine is very precious. So now let's, with our partner, get them all psyched and ready to practice that. Super hard. Okay, so the top of the head is to the ground, and your legs are strong, and you're facing your friend. Sarah, can make that a little bit more? Walk your feet up as close to your face as possible. Good, good. 
So when you push your push your don't lift your up and What did you feel by having the strap there? Broadening in the upper back and shoulders, which is great because that's the same thing you would do if you were teaching Pinchimayarasana. Even if the elbows are down, you're still broadening in the upper back and shoulders, which is going to really help you so you're not dumping into your neck. Okay? And what did you feel with having that block there? Engaging the inner thigh, keeping yeah. your legs. It was something to focus on. Something to focus on. It gives you a center, right? You weren't yeah. dumping weight in your head. Did you do, do, were you able to do it? I wasn't paying attention. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was later. To the block. Well, how'd you keep your legs straight? I mean, I know the block was there. I just wasn't, wasn't like You didn't realize it. Right. Okay, so like the block is like Suzanne Summers Thigh Master or like a Pilates ring. It actually keeps your legs and it's engaging your adductors and your abductors. It's broadening your pelvic bowl. Are we okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, this is fun. Um, <laughs> 
next thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to sneak into a room. Hold on two seconds. face each other holding the backs of the chair. Does that make sense? Two yeah. chairs, two friends, one person. This cuts it all out. I call it a toilet bowl. It's not, so I guess I should know the name of it. So the name of this is called the Evolution. It's from Evolution Health. It reminds me of a swirly if you didn't like someone in high school. <laughs> but it doesn't have a name for what it is. But basically, this thing comes off. It's a seat, right? And then it creates space, just like those two chairs with the blankets do, to have your head come in to position so that it is comfortably resting and there's no weight on the top of your head. So if you ever have a student who's like timid and really does have a neck injury or something that's wrong, then this is what they would come to do. They would put this thing near the wall so they felt comfortable. You would stand near them. You take the head in here, and I'm totally hanging out. But I'm doing the same thing. I'm pushing with my breath, activating, keeping my legs straight, and see how I'm not, not heavy weight on the top of my head. So it's really easy. It's all good. Yeah, because you're next. Oh. <laughs> okay, usually what happens is, is that what we're going to do next after this is you kind of hang out with a friend, they put their head down, you stand here, and then you are the wall until they get to the wall, you hold their hips, okay? So, what I would like is for everybody to feel this, because now you already know to push the shoulders out, to open the heart. Not a lot of weight on the top of the head, but it's activating the legs and lifting them up together. So have the phantom energy of the block that's not in your leg anymore. Some of you have already done that workshop with me where we did a bunch of inversions all at once, but let's come and try this one. So who wants to try first? Gives you a good hairdo. <laughs> okay. <coughs> Yep, head goes down. You're just resting your shoulders. Legs go straight like down dog legs. Yep, and now walk your toes up as far as they can go. Squeeze, 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 and lift your legs up. <laughs> yeah, good. Good, oh, good, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll give her that. <laughs> <laughs> with the strap and the block, doing our little headstand push-ups, but your head is floating. Anybody else want to try? It's great. It's yeah, I want to try it. Okay. <clears throat> so one thing that I want to really focus on is that when we're going to do it when we're in down do uh, dog. So, yep, go for it. Okay, so she click-clicked. Come back down. Okay, activate your feet. 
Good. And keep, squeeze, good. This is gonna give her a lot of strength and she's young enough so she can really create that internal focus so her flexibility will be, you know, still maintained, but it'll give her the strength that she needs to go deeper into other poses. That's good. Active, active, and then come back down. Good. Take a couple deep breaths so you can do a head brush. That's good. Yeah, that was really helpful. Okay. So will you be my partner for a second? Just go in and down dog your face that way. What I want you all to do is the trot, the three-legged dog. Because I want you to really feel how strong your legs need to be because a lot of you are still kind of flipping or not feeling the integrity of how, how strong your legs need to be when you point. So all she's going to do is lift one of her legs up halfway. Okay? As she lifts one of her legs up halfway, I'm going to be a wall, and she's going to push into me as hard as she can. As hard as she can. As hard as she can. Good. And then your hips should keep coming back up, so use less shoulders. Lift your hips up, little bend. There, good, there you go. So the back of the leg should be so strong, it's pushing up, push, push up to the sky. Activate your glutes and your hamstrings. Does that make sense? So that now, if you came to the crescent lunge, facing that way, now it's the same thing. With this activation, I'm going to take my hand into the back of her leg. She's going to push it into my fist. That's how strong your center needs to be. So, like, I'm really pushing down. She's, thank you very much. So, with those two, it shows you how we look in the mirror all the time, right? We see ourselves in the front of the mirror. But do you ever, like, go, like, look in the mirror from your back to see how you're looking? Not often, unless you're scared your jeans are too messed up. Or, you know, the... Flex jeans now, get holes in them. Um, but truly, we need to really think about the entire circumference of our body, our whole whole, the whole of the whole. So our leg needs to be strong. Our quads and our thigh biceps and our hamstrings, our glutes, everything needs to be firing in the entire practice. If I'm standing in Tadasana and I'm just standing here, I could stand like this, right? Because that's what most people will do. But as a teacher, if you cue, think of the things that you'd cue when you cue Tadasana, then all of a sudden, I'm really different, right? This is how you want to be when you're doing your inversion, okay? So now, my partner, do you have an inversion practice? Yeah, okay. So my partner is going to face the wall. And I'm going to stand here. And what you really have to be careful of is that you don't get hit in the nose. So she's going to face towards me because she's going to end up ultimately at the wall. And she's going to set herself up in that little tripod that we created. You can do pinky to pinky so that's side by side because if you stack pinky on top of pinky, when you interlace your fingers, your hands are uneven. Okay? Some people like to keep the palms together and reach the... Um, elbows out. Some people like to create space and some people even like little devil ears. I don't really care what you find, but find what works best for you. Okay? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Your fingers are always interlaced, but there's just different levels. But you always want the pinky stacked side by side so that you don't are not uneven. So she's going to come a little bit closer to me. There you go. Yep, no, you're great. And as her head is down to the ground and her Forearms are down to the ground. She's going to find down dog legs. 
Good. I'm standing next to her, but I'm kind of like moving away. I'm holding her hips, and then she's going to squeeze into the legs and lift the legs up towards the wall. So now, if she goes too far, there's a wall there, right? I have her hips. She has the wall. But whoop, if it works out okay, you take your hands like this, right, like a W, and you lift up. You can also, if you're freaked out, just press into someone's feet. And then they push up. Just like Tadasana, where you push into the top of their head to get them to elongate. Then when they come down, you go to the center of their body, and then they slowly come down, one leg and then the other. Yep. And then they come into child's pose, and then you can give them a little bit of love and stretch them out. Is this okay? Mm -hmm. So you get a little bit of an opener, and they get a little bit of a release. Ready to work with your partner? Yeah. <laughs> 
a little bit more because the we found our mula bandha our uddiyana bandha and uddiyana means uplifting mm-hmm. so you can now really feel uplifting is like effing hard <laughs> right and when you really find that yoga isn't about the stretch but it's actually about what's happening internally you'll never say that this is a core practice because there's really, it's not about the core, it's about the uddiyana, it's about the uplifting energy. Okay? So, I interrupted. Who wants to start? 
Uh, you can anything you want to say, something that you learned or something that uh, was an epiphany through this process of learning about the advanced headstands or headstand. It was just good to learn what the appropriate way to go into it was. Because, yeah, so many people do the, like, one leg up, and then knowing that that's not how you should do it was, yeah. In a perfect world. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to make it really so that you don't cheat. Sure. Right? So that you're working from the proper muscle group so that this can be a lifelong process, practice. Cool. Okay. So I, I don't want you to, like, think, like, oh, Jess is saying, like, cut down other styles. All styles are good. All ways are good because they all lead to that one path. But I also want you to think about the modifications on help so it's safe. I would say, um, so I'm relatively newish to headstands. Mm -hmm. I never did the cartwheel headstand, headstand, never, never. So I was over 40 before I ever even accomplished a headstand. So mm -hmm. relatively newish. But that was, it was the, up into down dog, down dog legs, and then one leg, and then the other leg. Uh -huh. So when you were showing this tonight, and Jill had told me prior to you showing about what had happened this morning, I'm like, oh, okay, so square one. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like I'm square one. It feels like I'm this close. Right? Right? Awesome. Not there, but. It's good. We don't have to be there. It's a process, so I'm glad. Cool. For me, better awareness. Mm. Better awareness of body, body alignment, mm -hmm. the bandhas, better awareness. And it makes you, it made me find a different balance. Mm. You know, from all the standing poses, like you said, it's reverse, but even then you're like, the places that you're trying to balance from, you don't normally mm -hmm. go to for balance. Mm -hmm. So that flipping perspective, you realize, oh my gosh, I really am in Tadasana. Right. Yeah. Cool. Thoughts are our friends. Thoughts are our friends? <laughs> yeah, oh, props, props are your friends. Are friends. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Thinking about your two legs as one leg. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Takes even more strength than it looks like. Mm -hmm. Effortless effort is a lot of work. Yeah, that's good, Chris. I feel challenged. I mean, I think I want to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think just like um, like the breath work and the mind stuff because I noticed that when I went up the first thing that went was my breath but then when I like got it going and I like, calmed down which is nice mm -hmm. cool um, I think the two legs to one like, like challenging that I want to and there's a lot of, of yeah, right. yeah. there's a lot of schools of thought that make you go knees to the chest first, right? So that's another way to do that, but you really have to think about like the tuck and roll kind of theory. Anybody else have an epiphany? I think the so, ego part of it. That ego. It, that it's accessible to everyone and it doesn't need to be this big like pinnacle of everything, but mm -hmm. there's benefits for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? And if you teach from modifications on up, the students at the end of class don't really even realize they're going into a headstand because they've been working towards it. Awesome. So it was interesting to me, and it was the getting up that was so hard. Mm. You know, once you're there, it's a, you're engaging all of it, but mm -hmm. the part of lifting the two legs at once, 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed flipping perspectives with all of you. I enjoyed um, learning how we can kind of energize and rejuvenate. And you're all going to be really, really awesome teachers. But please, please, please teach from experience. That's what's going to make you a real beacon of light. So practice, practice, practice. And, um, you know, keep in touch. You're all awesome, and I look forward to seeing um, how all of you evolve as teachers. Have a wonderful evening. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you, Jeff.